0: Welcome to the NTEB Radio Bible Study with your host and Bible teacher, Jeffrey Grider. Rightly divided, dispensationally correct, and standing on the authority of the King James Holy Bible, this program is brought to you by NowTheEndBegins.com.
1: Good evening everyone and welcome to this Sunday night edition of Rightly Dividing. My name is Jeff Greider. I am the editor-in-chief of NowTheEndBegins.com and tonight for the next two hours I have the honor and the privilege of being your radio host and Bible teacher. Tonight's topic, the 2020 End Times Roadmap Runs Smack Dab Right Through the Middle of the Apostle Paul's Second Epistle to Timothy. On this episode of Rightly Dividing, we are diving deep into Second Timothy to see exactly what our commission is, what the commandment of God for us in these times actually is, and to examine those things in the light of 2020 as it continues to spiral out of control. I want you to think about this. Just this week, Pope Francis aligned himself with Joe Biden and the United Nations in their globalist Build Back Better campaign. Today, in a church in the Bronx, in a Christian church, liberation theology adherent New York Mayor Bill de Blasio told the congregants to receive the coming COVID-19 vaccine while the pastor said, you don't have to worry, it's not the mark of the beast. That actually happened this morning with the mayor of New York City in a church in the Bronx. And hold on to your hats. Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, George Bush, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the head of the UN World Health Organization are all planning to be vaccinated together on live television. We are living in a literal end times theater. Revelation is leaping off of the pages of your King James Bible and into your living rooms. That's how close we really are. And as unreal as everything that I'm telling you right now, as unreal as all that seems, it's only the beginning. 2021 will be much worse. In his second epistle or letter to Timothy, The Apostle Paul lays out the commission, the command, and the conflict that would arise in the last days of the Church of Jesus Christ here on the earth in the end times. That day has arrived. The end times officially starting off in this crazy year of 2020. And Paul's words, written by the Holy Spirit through him for us, have more meaning right now than they ever will again at any time in human history. And why do I say that? Because when we leave out of here on flight 777 and the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, Paul's gospel is no longer the doctrinal gospel. After we leave, it's not going to be Romans through Philemon. It's going to be Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a different gospel, and uh, things are going to change. 2 Timothy 3.1, this know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And I'm here to tell you tonight, those times are here. And I want to tell you what the Apostle Paul says is the commission, the command, and the conflict That would arise in the last days of the church of Jesus Christ on this earth. That day is here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for everything that you do for us, Lord. We thank you for everything that you that you give to us, and Lord, we thank you for a wonderful church service this morning, and um, al- almost a thousand people, Lord, listening live, and and uh, that is just so encouraging, and that's just so exciting, and oh, everybody's writing, and they want to get Bibles, and they want gospel tracts, and and people want to start Bible studies, uh, Juanita. She wants to start a Bible study where her and her, her husband live, and uh, many of you want to start Bible studies, and uh, we're going to do our best to provide those materials to you uh, free of charge. We're going to give you King James Bibles and study materials, and, and uh, I'm going to do my best to guide as many of you as I can through it. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the increase. We thank you for this bounty and this harvest and um, I thank you, Lord. I thank you personally that you are faithful to your promises and you're faithful to your word. And it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on you. And uh, Lord, we rejoice in that today because you are ever faithful. And uh, you, you, you always come through. You never fail. And, Lord, we just throw ourselves at your feet today, and uh, we ask for your blessing. We ask for your mercy. We ask you, God, to open up the King James Bible to us in new and exciting ways, Lord. Uh, We're not asking for signs, miracles, and wonders. I understand that we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, We're just asking, Father God, that you would give us fresh eyes to see uh, your written word, your preserved word. We we believe it, and we receive it, and we trust it, and we stand on it, Lord. And uh, we just thank you for preserving it within the, ca- within the pages of our King James Bible. And uh, Lord, we commit this time to you, and we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the program. So glad that you're here, and I am I'm thrilled. I, what can I say? I am thrilled to see the chat rooms full and thousands of people coming in and from all over the world, and they're listening and they're hungry. Um, I don't, it's, it feels, and I said this earlier today, I said it um, during the service that, this morning, there seems to be a remnant revival breaking out. And I'm not even saying, uh, nationally, I'm not saying internationally. I'm saying right here within the NTEB family of believers around the world, I'm starting to see a little bit of a revival, a real revival, uh, Within our own ranks and our ranks are pretty wide. Our ranks are pretty big and uh, I'm excited by that. I'm excited to see that that's kind of like a little unexpected handful of purpose that uh, the Lord's giving for us. And so I am just excited to see that you guys are excited. And the best part is there's no smoke there's no mirrors we're not using worldly music we're not enticing with with games and gimmicks (laughs) we got the old book we got the old bible we got the king james we got the old hymns we got the old songs and to see people excited with that man that's the real thing and that's the real deal and uh, i'm happy to stick with the old-fashioned way glad you're here with us tonight Isaiah 6.16, we read this, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Uh, we stick with that old-fashioned doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture and the eternal security. And... Uh, uh, the body of Christ and the mystery of the church, and we stand on these doctrines uh, given to the Apostle Paul and um, delivered to the church age, and that is for our time here and our time now, and we are not ashamed, we are not ashamed that we are King James only and have always been. I've been doing Now the End Begins for 11 years, but I've been King James only this April 30 years. And uh, I've taken a lot of grief and aggravation and attacks for that over the last three decades. Uh, And I believe more strongly in the King James Bible only today than I did 30 years ago. But guess what? 30 years ago, it was more than enough to save my soul. One verse, one verse of the King James Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's the only verse I read that night, March 14, 1991, and on my knees, and I bowed my knees, and I said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I had no Christian friends, no Christian radio. I had never set foot inside a Christian church, and yet God was able to save me anyway. If your Bible doesn't say uh, begotten in John 3.16, I want you to take that Bible. I want you to throw it in the garbage uh, because that's where it belongs. If your Bible, if you turn to John 3.16 and your Bible calls uh, Jesus Christ God's only son or his one and only son. That's a lie. That's not true. God has many sons. The Bible clearly declares that God has many sons. 1 John 3, verse 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we, the believers, should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not, Beloved. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's 1 John 3 verses 1 and 2. Now I know that I just asked you if you have anything other than the King James Bible to put it in the garbage can, but guess what? I'll replace your Bible for free. If you have an NIV Bible or the ESV, I I hate that book with a passion. Um, If you have any other Bible but a King James Bible, um, I want you to throw that book in the garbage and then I want you to send me an email info info. At nowtheendbegins.com, and we, not me, but we are going to uh, send you not just any King James Bible, but we're going to send you a Ruckman Reference Bible free of charge, no tricks, no gimmicks. We just want you to have the Word of God. And uh, there is a whole group of like minded believers here at Now the End Begins who donate to this program so that we can send these books out free of charge to people who need them and people who want them had a great encouraging message in the chat room tonight uh leonard in the chat room says that he is looking for a king james bible for his daughter and what a great testimony. She walked away from the LGBT lifestyle. She was a lesbian. She walked away. She repented of her sins, and she uh, she turned back to God. And I can't wait to hear uh, more about that testimony. And hopefully Leonard will email me so I can uh, rejoice with him and, and, and just get some more details there. But boy, oh boy, do we love to hear stories like that, uh, like our friend Laura Harry, who was very much um, involved in the LGBT lifestyle and she got she became a transgender and uh, she, she went so far as to have the surgery and her mother was very concerned for her and and she mutilated her body and she she was very as deep into the LGBT as you could possibly be. And then she emailed me. She emailed me about a year and a half ago, and she said, You don't know me, but my mom listens to your weekly Bible study. At that time, we were only doing, if you can believe it now, we were only doing one broadcast a week. Now it feels like we're broadcasting just about every day. Um, and praise the Lord for the increase. But Laura Perry contacted me about a year and a half ago, and she said, you don't know me, but my mom's been listening to your radio program, and she got me listening to your radio program. Um, And I hear you talk and preach about the pre-tribulation rapture, and she said uh, words that brought tears to my eyes. She said, I heard you preach about the rapture. I don't want to miss it, and I repent and I walked away from the LGBTQ lifestyle um, and 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 she began to reverse as much as she could of the transgender changes that she had made and today she's a beautiful young woman uh, 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 and and she's serving the Lord faithfully and she travels the country encouraging other LGBTQ people to come out, to come out while there is still time to change it. So, we rejoice with Leonard and his daughter. And absolutely, Leonard, uh, if you'll email me, info at nowtheendbegins.com. We're going to send you, um, a for your daughter, we're going to send you a, a beautiful Ruckman Reference Commentary King James Bible. That's the same one that I use, and um, that's the same one that we give away all day, every day, and uh, uh, just very excited for that, and we'd love to hear. We love to hear when people get right and they want a Bible. Man, oh man, is that exciting. Glad you're with us tonight. We're going to be getting started in just a couple minutes. If you're just tuning in now, tonight we're talking about the perilous times of 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, But we are going to attempt to go through the entire book of 2 Timothy tonight in our 90 minute Bible study. And we're going to go through it fast, so you have to pay attention. Uh, But the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He warns. It's a warning. And um, the Apostle Paul, he's talking to Timothy, and he says, "Um, uh, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And then you turn the page in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, this came across my desk right before um, airtime tonight on a website for Georgia State University at the J. Mac Robinson College of Business. So this is an actual university in the United States, Georgia State University. And I'm going to put the link into the chat room so you can see it for yourself and you can see that I'm telling you the truth. And it's an application. And it's, it's, most of it reads like a standard application. But when you get to the middle section, it is asking you, which pronoun do you prefer? And here are some of the pronouns from Georgia State University from this online application for their business school. Co, cos, co, self. N, n's, n self. E, m, ears, m self he him his himself she they ze here hers h- herself yo yas yourself ze zeer zeer zeerself vi vis ver verself and the last box amazingly says if there's any if if there's another one that we missed please enter that in here now Can you see how crazy this is? This is from Georgia State University. I just gave you the link for their online application. And those are the number of pronouns that they are accepting that you can call yourself by. Um, 95% of those pronouns are nearly unpronounceable. They're not even words. Z-I-R. What does that mean? That means nothing. If you were to refer to yourself as Zier, I mean, you sound like you're an extra from Battlestar Galactica. And this is where we are in 2020. Colleges that charge thirty-five dollars to $50,000 per year, and they're teaching your children about the 72 different pronouns that you can refer to yourself by. Do you see the type of confusion that we're living in? Well, uh, we're, the Apostle Paul is going to straighten us out tonight. The Apostle Paul, in his second letter to Timothy, he gives a command, he gives a commission, and he shows us the conflict so tonight it's exciting i've been i've been i've been st- Looking forward to this for a while now. I've been studying this for many, many, many months. Had a great conversation with my buddy Andy yesterday morning. Uh, almost a two-hour conversation about the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. And it is just, it is an endless resource of end times information. And we are going to see from the Apostle Paul himself, as he wrote it, um, straight on the table, waist-high, over-the-plate, all 52 cards straight up, uh, very easy to grasp, and we're going to make it plain, we're going to make it clear, we're going to make it simple so that you can understand that the Apostle Paul wants to give you a commission. The Apostle Paul uh, wants to give you a command, and the Apostle Paul uh, wants to show you what the conflict is. And when you know what the conflict is, then you know how to fight the battle. Uh, If you don't know your enemy, it's very, very hard to conduct warfare. And this morning I preached about being a soldier, a good soldier for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how can you be a good soldier if you don't know what the conflict is? Tonight, the Apostle Paul is going to give us the commission, the command, and the conflict of the perilous times that have arrived here in 2020. We're going to be getting started in just about three minutes. Stay with us.
2: In sin I was living, no thought was I giving of dying, and where I would go. I was looking and buying, so hard was I trying to gain all this world had to hold. No peace and no pleasure could I even measure with all that I had to gain. I repented and prayed, Christ save me that day. Now I have got something to say. I'm not going to hell.
0: I the Savior, what a story I tell I'm saved and forgiven, set free all is well I'm not going to hell No, I'm not going to hell Now my life's worth living Since I've been forgiven Christ made a real change in me I'm no longer crying when I think about dying Cause heaven is waiting for me Now Satan's still lying He's always trying to lead you down the wrong way Just call on Christ now Savior, what a story I tell. I'm saved and forgiven. Set free all is well. I'm not going to hell. No, I'm not going to hell. No, I'm not going to hell. No, I'm not going to hell because I met the Savior, what a story I tell. I'm saved and forgiven. Set free all is well, I'm not going to hell No, I'm not going to hell Because I'm saved by His power divine Yes, I'm saved saved to new life sublime Life now is sweet and my joy is complete For I'm saved I'm not going to hell.
2: One day, Jesus is coming. You may be at church. You may be at work. You may be asleep. God grant that you will be ready. When he makes his personal appearance. My God, what if his appearance occurs on a Sunday morning? My prophetic word to you this morning is get ready, get ready!
1: Heavenly Father, we come before you one more time and we ask for your blessing on tonight's program. Uh, as we open up the pages of our King James Bibles, Lord, we ask you to meet with us with your Holy Spirit. Wash us clean, Lord, again in your shed blood, uh, and, and, and give us fresh insight on old scripture, Lord. Uh, the most recent of your scripture is 2,000 years old. And yet, when we read it and we simply look out the window, (laughs) look at the news, Read the headlines, and it's like your scripture was written just this morning. And we thank you and praise you for the scripture that never gets old, Lord. And it's always fresh. It's, it's ahead of time. It's not just up with the times. It's ahead of time. And, uh, Lord, we, just, we trust your word. And uh, as we study it tonight, we pray for a special blessing on everyone who is here, Lord. And if there's somebody who is listening who is not saved, we pray, Lord, that today, tonight, this program would be the time and place where they get saved. And uh, if if you're if you if you're lost and you're listening to this program and, and you decide that you need to get saved, that you don't want to go to hell, please reach out in the chat room and let somebody know. And I'll stop the whole program and uh, we'll show you how you can be saved. Uh, it's, it's the easiest. God's made it so easy. And uh, we we love when that happens here on the program. So if the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you want to know how to get saved, just reach out and tell somebody and we'll stop the program and we'll talk to you. Um, so... If you're not in the chat room and you want to be in the chat room, just simply go to ntebradio.com and that will take you right to where the live broadcast page is. That will take you, uh, there's a, uh, there's an audio player and right below the audio player is the chat room. So if you're listening on some other device and you would like to chat, just simply go to ntebradio.com and you'll get right here right quick. So, Lord, we thank you for this time, and uh, we commit it to you and ask for your blessings, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I said this morning that we were going to try our very best to get through the entire book of 2 Timothy, and Lord willing, that's exactly what we are going to do. So let's get started. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter 1. Verse 1, and let's cover some ground and let's set the table. Second Timothy 1, one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I might be filled with joy. When I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also so, the apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith, a man by the name of Timothy, and he's young. He's a youth. He's a young adult. He's probably about 22 or 23 years old. The apostle Paul has some gray hair and, and, uh, he thinks of Timothy like a, like his own spiritual son. And he reminds him, that, uh, his mother had faith and his grandmother had faith and, uh, that he was raised with that. And then he he says in verse six, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind and man, oh man, mark that down. Second Timothy one seven, for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So the first thing that I want to draw your attention to tonight, because remember this Bible study, second Timothy um, uh, we are looking at it in relationship to the year that we find ourselves in where even if you're halfway paying attention, even if you're a completely backslidden Christian, you know that this year is the year when everything began to happen after many, many decades of building and building and building and building and and this moment looking like it was gonna break out at multiple times over the last few decades, over the last 10 years. And then in 2020, that was the year that God decided, okay, let's flip that switch and let's get this thing rolling. And we've been looking at this for January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and here we are December sixth. And each day, each week, each month is crazier than the one before it, and this is where we find ourselves. So in Second Timothy chapter one, Paul is reminding Timothy of his commission. His commission is the fact that that he's born again, that he's saved, and he's reminding him of the faithful people in his life. And then he says, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I want you to think about that as we go through the remaining days of 2020 and we get ready to go through uh, what's going to be an even crazier year, 2021. And I want you to read people write to me all the time. And they say, I don't know what to do. I am overwhelmed. This is crazy. And they're waiting for a knock on the door with the mandatory vaccinations and the digital identifications. And it's just every day. It's like the news has become a literal freak show, an end times freak show. It's like we're living inside. Uh, Chick track. It's like we are, well, it's like we're living inside the book of Revelation because that's exactly where we are. And people write to me every day and they say that they're afraid. First thing you have to uh, keep in mind as we go through this time period, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Lost people have a spirit of fear. We have power and love and and of a sound mind. Why do we have a sound mind? Just because we're born again? Well, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, um, that, that we have been made a new creature in Jesus Christ. And if you become born again, you have become a new creature in Jesus Christ. And when you become a new creature, that comes with, with a new way of thinking. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the Bible says that we are to renew our minds. Romans 12.2 says, And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Titus 3.5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So getting back to Second Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but instead power and love and of a sound mind. Now, he says in verse 8, he's a prisoner. As he's writing this to Timothy, uh, Paul is in a Roman prison and he's locked up. And he says to Timothy in verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and has called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I want you to pay careful attention to verse 9. Paul is talking to Timothy, he's writing to him from a Roman prison, and he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. And he says that the gospel comes with afflictions, in verse 8. And then he says, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling that is not according to our works, but according to his purpose and his grace which was put in Christ Jesus and given to us before the world began. Everything that is happening in 2020 and the things that will be happening in 2021 and 2022 and whenever the rapture is going to be, I've been saying lately, just imagine that it's going to be springtime of 2021. Um, I'm, I'm not calling it. I'm not predicting it. Uh, I'm not setting a date. I'm just asking you to imagine what would it be like if the rapture happened in May of 2021? How would you, you have five months between then and now? How would you change things? What would you do differently? Would you work a little bit harder for the cause of Christ? Would you be a little bit more bold in your witnessing? I think you would be. So I want you to imagine what it would be like if the rapture was to take place in five months from today. Think about that. So, Paul says in verse 9, that we are not called according to our works, but according to his purpose and his grace in Christ Jesus. Verse 10 says, but it is now made manifest by the appearing of, of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Uh, this is the gospel that Paul preaches, 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 4, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, this is the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which ye have also received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that, here it is, here's the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. He's talking about scriptures like Psalm 22. Have you ever read Psalm 22? Let's just take a quick peek in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 and it's an amazing thing the very first verse of psalm 22 my god my god why hast thou forsaken me why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring that's what jesus said on the cross when he cried out eli eli Lamba, sabachthani my god my god why has thou fors- that's in the old testament And so when the Apostle Paul says um, that Jesus was crucified, died, and buried according to the scriptures, well, these are the scriptures that Paul would have been referring to. Let's do another one. Go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He dis- he was despised and we esteemed him not. Remember when Pilate stood up and said, that he was going to release one onto the Jews. And he said, would you have me release Barabbas the murderer, or would you have me release Jesus Christ? And they said, give us Barabbas. We have no King, but Caesar, let his blood be on our heads and on our children's heads. And that's exactly what Isaiah 53 is talking about. He was despised and rejected of men. Uh, what are these wounds which I have received in the house of my friends? His, his, his fellow Jewish brethren turned on him. And then uh, verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, he got 40 stripes in the back. And remember, we, we did the math on those 40 stripes and it turns out to be over 3000 holes that would have been put in his back, 3000 holes that would have been put in his back. So when Isaiah 53 says, uh, uh, with his stripes we are healed that was a big that wasn't a couple of lashings and a few red lines that was his back flayed open to expose his rib cage and then put on the cross and have that open oozing bleeding unbelievably horrific sight being rubbed against the raw dry splinters of that roman cross um christine is asking so david wrote the same words that jesus said on the cross yeah he sure did he sure did so when um when the apostle paul says that jesus christ in first corinthians fifteen one through four jesus christ was was uh crucified died buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures not according to your interpretation, not according to the teachings of the Methodist church or the Reformed theology or the Catholic church or the Baptist church. That's not how the gospel goes. It doesn't go according to the denomination um, uh, of your particular choosing. That's why the Holy Spirit is very careful and says twice in verse three and verse four that these things happened according to the Scriptures. They didn't happen according to what your denomination teaches. That's how these things happened. So back in Second Timothy chapter one, back in Second Timothy chapter one, Paul says verse eleven, Second Timothy 1:11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Mark that down. Verse 12. That is an amazing and precious promise. The apostle Paul says, For I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able. How about you? Are you persuaded or do you have one foot in and one foot out? Are you living half in the world and half for the Lord? Do you hit the check boxes and do the bare minimum? Well, if that's what you do, you need to change that. Because that's what Laodiceans do. That's what lukewarm people do. They show up and they 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 uh, they put some money in an envelope and they show up on Wednesday night and they show up on Sunday morning and they, I've done my part. And then the whole rest of the week, they live for themselves. If that's you, you should be ashamed of that. You should change that. You should repent of that. You should uh, get something done for the Lord. And uh, uh, that's why I said earlier that I'm so uh, grateful to see so many people here getting on fire for the Lord. People who were previously kind of a little bit on the lukewarm side, and then the Holy Spirit tapped them on the shoulder, and now they want to get in the game. And uh, Amanda in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, uh, we are getting ready to roll out um, uh, the very first of the NTEB Home Bible Studies, and she is test-cased zero. And uh, Juanita is getting in the game, and I have a couple other people who have written to me, and they want to get into the game as well. And uh, so I'm excited to see that. But take a careful look at your life. If you're saved, if you're born again, are you persuaded that he is able? Well, if you are, you need to do something about that. If you are persuaded that God is able, then you need to do something that's going to last for all eternity. You need to get into the game for Jesus Christ. Verse 13. Hold for, fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, the good thing that was committed unto thee, uh, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, um, of whom are jealous and hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of On- On- Nesiphorus, for he has oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So the apostle Paul is talking about people who have deserted him and people who are still sticking with him. And uh, he asks that God give a special blessing to Onesiphorus because he really took care of the Apostle Paul and he was very diligent about attending to his needs. But now he is in need uh, of a special blessing from the Lord and that is what the Apostle Paul is praying for him. So turn to Second Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, And when we get to the end of Second Timothy, we understand that this is going to be Paul's last letter. This is going to be his swan song. And when you get to the end of Second Timothy, that's when everything just stops. And we know that in chapter 4, he says that uh, he is now ready to be offered and the time of his departure is at hand. And we don't know if Paul ever reconnected with Timothy, but this entire second epistle is Paul talking to Timothy and telling him he is giving him a commission. He is giving him a command, and then he is showing him what the conflict is. In chapter one, I showed you the commission, and that commission is also present here in chapter two. He says that if you're a believer, you're a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you are a soldier in any army, you have received a commission. Uh, In the army, they talk about commissioned and non-commissioned officers. And when you receive a commission, you have been given a charge to accomplish a task and you are in charge of other men. And that's exactly in verse two, second Timothy two, two, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Also, that's exactly what I do for you with these Bible studies. God touched my heart 30 years ago, and I've spent the last three decades in studying and, and, uh, uh, Working out my own salvation with fear and trembling, as Paul says, and putting myself in a place where the Lord can use me. And what is he doing? He is using me to teach you the Bible. And now we have people who are being taught the Bible, who are wanting to get into the game and teach the Bible to other people. And that's exactly what Second 2 Timothy 2.2 2 is talking about. It is that chain of command. And I learned the Bible from people like Clarence Larkin and Peter Ruckman and people like that. I learned the Bible from faithful men who had learned the Bible from faithful men going all the way back to Spurgeon and Moody and Whitfield and, and all the way back to the early church fathers before they were corrupted by the Roman Catholic system and, and the apostles. And we are in a 2000 year chain of command and we have to be careful not to be the weak link in that chain and to not let the chain break with us, we sing that song. Will the circle be unbroken? And we don't want to be the one who breaks that circle. So Paul says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And that's how it's been going for the last 2,000 years. Faithful men and women teaching other faithful men and women and on and on and on it goes and I don't know about you but I am excited to be a part of that to be part of God's family and to be here think I want you to think about what an honor and a privilege that it is that God has allowed me and you to live long enough to begin to see things that have been prophesied in the Bible for 2,000 years come to pass. Now, Karen has a question, and she is referring to a verse uh, in the Bible where it talks about you have no need that any man teaches you. And um, I am going to answer that question when we come back. That's in First John 2, 27. And when we come back, I'm going to answer that question. Uh, But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you all things. And the truth is and is no lie, and even as it is taught you, ye shall abide in him. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, We're just getting started. We are talking tonight about 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're looking at the commission, the command, and the conflict that the Apostle Paul said would arise in the last days of the church of Jesus Christ on the earth in the end times. That is our day. That is our time. Glad you're here with us. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day, when I saw that first come rolling for to carry my mother away, will the circle.
1: If you're just tuning in, we're talking tonight about uh, Paul's second letter, his epistle to Timothy, and uh, we went through the first chapter, and we have a couple questions from the chat room, and we want to answer them uh, before we continue. Uh, Karen had a question, and she said, I thought the Bible said something about you don't need that any man should teach you. So, let's turn to 1 John 2:27, actually 26 and 27. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, 26 and 27, and John says this, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. So, Karen, the context is, John is talking about people with false doctrines who are spiritually seducing other people, and he says that you don't need to be taught by other people because you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people take that, and they take it too far, and they say, well, if that's true, then I don't need to listen to anybody. And now that's not biblical. You need to, um, uh, listen to other more mature Christians who were trained up and, and are now ready to teach you. And that's exactly what the apostle Paul turned back to second Timothy chapter one. That's exactly what the apostle Paul was telling Timothy in the first half hour that we, that we were looking at. And, uh, look at the top of the page where he's reminding him verse five. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So, the Apostle Paul, and then you turn to page to chapter 2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses— the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And that's exactly what First John 2.27 is talking about, is that you get into the biblical command of Bible teaching. Um, turn to Acts chapter 8. Turn to Acts chapter 8 and look at what the Ethiopian eunuch says to Philip. Acts chapter 8 verses 30 and 31. Acts chapter 8, 30 and 31, and and well, actually 29 through 31. Acts 8, 29 through 31. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and he heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I? except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. This is Isaiah 53. We were looking at this earlier. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Now look what happens in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That is what uh, God has laid out as the biblical command for Bible teaching and for uh, mature believers to teach others who become mature in the faith. Now, RW had a question. RW had a question and they asked, um, let's see if I can pull it up. What do you do with brothers and sisters who do not want to rightly divide the word of truth as we are commanded to in God's perfect word? So the question is, how do we handle other believers who are not rightly dividers? Um, well, we are in Second Timothy chapter two, so let's go down to verse fifteen. Second Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I told you that this Bible study was to show you the command, the commission, and the conflict that the Apostle Paul lays out to Timothy for the end days. That's our day. Now, chapter 1 and the first four verses of chapter 2, we have the commission. Now, here we have the command. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What I do, if I am with Christian brothers and sisters who do not want to rightly divide, their minds are not open to it, at some point I have to withdraw myself from that fellowship. And that's what I would recommend for you to do as well. Many, many, many a Christian who has not been careful about the company that they keep winds up losing their faith in Bible doctrines. They begin to lose their faith in the supremacy of the King James Bible. And um, if if you are with other Christians, but they don't rightly divide and you're not making much progress or headway, and they don't want to listen to that, then my recommendation would be that you would withdraw yourself from their fellowship, because you're going to wind up like Kent Hovind when he went into prison 10 years ago, and when he came out, He did not come out with his belief in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Somebody stole that from him, um, and, and down the rabbit hole you go. So I don't really have many Christian friends who don't rightly divide, just like I don't have many friends who are Democrats, and I don't have many friends who are liberals. Because over the years, you begin to realize that you have to withdraw yourself from people who are antithetical to the path that God has put you on. And that's just a fancy word. That means uh, they are going against what it is that you're trying to accomplish. So um, that's how I would answer that question. That's just my personal opinion. But uh, I would withdraw from fellowship with somebody who did not rightly divide, or at the very least, I wouldn't be able to discuss the Bible with them. So, if I couldn't do that, what's the point of having fellowship? So uh there's your answer. Now let's get back to Second Timothy, and those are great questions by the way, and I love questions. Uh Second Timothy chapter two uh, let's see, where did we leave off? We were in verse fifteen, but we gotta get back to uh let's pick it up in Second Timothy two four. Second Second Timothy two four. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him to be who has chosen him to be a soldier. Now Mike is asking in the chat room, how about fellowship with hyper dispensationalists? Not possible. Not possible. Um I I would not be able to do it because we would run we our heads would be budding constantly. I I would not recommend if you're a rightly divider, um, a a a person who is a hyper dispensationalist is going to give you grief all day every day. Now Second Timothy two four, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. This morning in the message, this morning I talked about. If you're saved, if you're born again, you have been called to be a soldier in the end times army of Jesus Christ. And that is your commission. Have you accepted it? Well, you you better because it's not a commission that you can refuse. So we are called to be soldiers in the end times army of Jesus Christ. Uh, keep your finger in Second Timothy 2 and turn to Revelation 19. Look at verse 14. Revelation 19, verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's me and you. That's a born again Christian right there. And, uh, well, that's also technically the 144,000 because they have white robes as well, but the difference between their robes and our robes is our robes were washed by Jesus Christ and their robes were washed by their own works. And a different gospel for the time of Jacob's trouble than the gospel of the grace of God that we have now. Um, Andrew has a question. Andrew was asking, what is a hyper-dispensationalist? The easiest way that I could explain that to you, a hyper-dispensationalist is somebody who acknowledges the rightful divisions in the Bible, and we talk about those divisions all the time, There's a difference between the kingdom age and the church age. There's a difference between the time of Jacob's trouble and the tribulation age. There's a difference between the millennial reign of Christ age. There's a difference between eternity. And all through the Bible, there are multiple dispensations. A hyper dispensationalist is somebody who takes a single dispensation, and he amplifies it to such a degree that he winds up going past what the truth is, and he begins to teach something that winds up being not very true at all. So um, here's a really good example of that. I tell people that when I got saved— I got saved on John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That, I got saved on one verse, and that was the one verse. Now, I have had hyper-dispensational people tell me that my salvation was not valid because I didn't read a verse that talked about the death, burial, and resurrection all at the same time. And as you can see, that's not a true statement. What That position is obviously wrong. And let me prove that to you. Turn to Acts chapter 16. Book of Acts chapter 16. And I want to show you... The apostle Paul says that this is the gospel in First Corinthians 15 1 through 4. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But and that's true. But look what Paul says in Acts sixteen, verses thirty and thirty-one. He doesn't mention the death, burial, and resurrection one time. Acts chapter sixteen, thirty and thirty-one says and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, this Philippian jailer is asking the person who wrote 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 4, I want to get saved. What do I have to do? And this is what they said. Verse 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Paul doesn't mention the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yet, this guy gets saved anyway. So can you see how dangerous it is to be a hyper-dispensationalist and to say that if the gospel is 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, then unless you got saved on that verse, you didn't get saved. And people have told me that. People have absolutely told me that. Amazing is asking a question. Uh, can I explain why Matthew says that everyone will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds and how can we believe that the rapture has to be before the tribulation? Uh, yeah, I can explain that very easily. Those are two separate events. And I wrote this article a number of years ago. And this is one of our most read articles that we've written on the rapture. It's been read hundreds of thousands of times, and I'm going to put it into the chat room right now. When you have time, I highly recommend that you copy this link and you read this article called The Bible Believer's Guide to Understanding the Differences Between the Pre-Tribulation Rapture of the Church that we read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and and, uh, Titus chapter 2, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, Matthew chapter 24 talks with the second coming. It talks about the rapture of the tribulation saints, and that happens seven years after the church has already been removed. So, amazing, when you have time, um, save that link. Read that article, and I give you 10 irrefutable proofs for the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, Uh, and please write to me and let me know how you like that article. Um, It's packed, packed full of information, but suffice to say, Matthew 24 is the second coming. It is not the rapture of the church. So let's get back. Time is beginning to get away from us just a little bit. Second um, Timothy chapter 2, and Paul is talking about being called to be a soldier. And let's see if we can make up some ground here. Um, let's go down in Second Timothy chapter 2. Uh, let's take a look at verse 19. Second Timothy 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And then the verses that follow Second 2 Timothy 2.19 are talking about how as Christians, we need to judge ourselves so that we are not judged at the judgment seat of Christ. And then he finishes that in 25 and 26 in meekness, instructing those, verse 25, that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who were taken captive by him at his will. So Paul is telling Timothy that in the end times, you've got to make sure that you're living clean, and you need to to examine your own life. you got to make sure that you're living right, that you're thinking right. These things are not for your salvation. These things are for your sanctification. And the Apostle Paul is very, very clear about that. He says in verse 19, uh, the foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord knows them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ, depart from iniquity. So in the end times, you need to be looking at yourself critically and look, you know how you're living when nobody's looking. You know the thoughts that are in your head if you're drinking and smoking and fornicating and all those things that you know that are wrong and that you should not be doing Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.19, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So if you want to get prepared for the end times, you got to clean up your act and you've got to, cu- Paul says that he, he keeps under his body and, uh, he doesn't want to be a castaway. He doesn't want to be put on the shelf by God. So Paul says, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And that's what we're called to do. That's the standard. And that's the same for me, for you, for anybody who names the name of Jesus Christ. Now, turn the page to chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3.1. Mia has a question. Uh, Mia is asking, Can you explain when Jesus says that we must be born again or we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, is this the same as being saved and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, turn to John chapter 3, and he's not talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are two separate things. The kingdom of heaven is what the Jewish people were promised by the Old Testament prophets. They were promised a literal, visible, physical nation of Israel and the Messiah ruling as king from the throne of David. So I am going to put a link into the chat room uh, written by our friend and brother Jimmy Randolph a number of years ago, and this will show you the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And I'm putting the link into the chat room. Please copy the link. I don't have time to talk about those differences tonight, but talk, um, copy that link and read that article when you can. It is important to know the differences between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom that you have to be born again into. And the Jewish remnant are not going to become born again. They are going to have the kingdom of heaven only. And when Jesus came the first time, he offered the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God to the Jewish people. He offered them both kingdoms. He said, I am sent not but for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But... When they killed Stephen in Acts chapter 7, and the kingdom age came to a halt, and it was put on pause, the two kingdoms were split, and now Jews and Gentiles in one body, which Paul calls the church, that's the kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom, and right now you and I who are saved are part of the body of Christ. That is a spiritual body. And when we become born again, we become born again spiritually. We didn't become born again physically. Um, If you and I were to die today, they would put our body in the grave. They would put our body in the incinerator. We would be cremated or buried or whatever the case is because our bodies are not born again. Our, our spirit and our soul are born again. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is the nation of Israel under the righteous reign of King Jesus Christ. And I hope that that answers your question. But that's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. And it's interesting is that um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke do not talk about being born again, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke are primarily written to people who will be alive in the time of Jacob's trouble. And the gospel of John is very, very similar to the things that the apostle Paul talked about. And with that, we have to take a quick break, but we're going to be right back in just a few minutes. Please stay with us. for the last half hour of tonight's rightly dividing Bible study. We have been looking at 2 Timothy, and we're looking at the commission, the command, and the conflict that Paul says will be present in the last days. Now, in chapter 1 and part of chapter 2, we showed you the commission, and uh, in the rest of Chapter two, especially chapter uh, uh two, verse fifteen, study to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, that's the command. And now we're going to see the conflict. Second Timothy chapter three verses one through five. Second Timothy chapter three verses one through five. This know also that in the last days, our day, 2020, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Now, what does that translate out to be in our day? Uh, look at Second Timothy 3, three, where Paul says that in the last days, people will not have natural affection. They have unnatural affection or they have no affection at all. And that is unnatural. And we showed you, here's some examples of unnatural affection. Uh, Joe Biden says that if he becomes president, uh, that he is going to pass immediate executive orders that will give special rights and privileges to transgender children in schools across America. That is unnatural. If you're a, a boy and you want to be a girl, that is not natural. That is unnatural. Um, if you're a pregnant woman and you kill your baby, uh, that is not natural. You, If you're the mother, you should have affection for your baby. And Paul says that in the last days, there will be unnatural affection affection and we see that very very highly with the lgbtq and the gay and the lesbian and the pansexual and the pedophiles and 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 the transgenders and all those people that is not natural affection now if you're one of those people we're not against you we are for you we want to see you get saved we want to see you turn from that lifestyle and get clean we're not making fun of you. We're not putting you down, but we're telling you the truth in love. We're telling you that that lifestyle is not natural. It can be tempting. It can be glittering. It can be, uh, it can be presented to you as something that's very exciting, but it is not. The Bible says that it is sin, and you need to turn from that. And we tell you these things not because we hate you, but because we love you. Uh, and, and, um, if, if anybody else tells you different, they're not telling you that out of love. They're telling that to you out of hatred because if somebody knows that you're doing the wrong thing and they don't tell you that's not love, that's hatred because you don't have time to fix it that way. So back to second Timothy chapter three, Paul says that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And he gives all these different things, these 18 different things, which are all attributes of Antichrist. Did you know that? Did you know that these attributes in Second Timothy, uh, starting in verse two, these 18 different things are all attributes of Antichrist? Lovers of your own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. These things are attributes of Antichrist. Now, this entire year, we have been watching the spirit of Antichrist rising. People get nervous when I say that. But it is true. That is what we are looking at. And that's why you see such anger coming from people. And um, I understand that if one group of people feels that the police are treating them unfairly, that you would want to bring those police to court and have that figured out. And I agree with that. If we stand for the police. We defend the police. We back the blue. But if you have a rogue cop who's doing a wrong thing, that, that officer needs to be accountable for what they do. And, and we agree with that. People who serve the law are not above the law. But that's not what they're calling for. They are calling to abolish. The police force. Can you imagine what a scary world that this would be if you go to call 911 and there's nobody answering on the other end? If you desperately need the police to arrive and help you and there's no police there who's going to defend you who's going to protect you who's if there's no detectives solving crimes if there's no police officers arresting criminals can you imagine the type of life that that would bring Caster just said mad max part 2 and well that's what they want to bring into existence And Paul says that when you see these things begin to happen, this is the last days and you are now in perilous times. We are in perilous times in 2020. And over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be talking about this on the podcast tomorrow, over the next couple of weeks, you are going to have pressure placed on you, the likes of which that you cannot even begin to fathom. Everybody from the Pope to leaders of different countries to the United Nations, these people are going to be put on video. They're going to pretend to be vaccinated with this untested, unproven uh, mRNA, this messenger 33 vaccine. And they are going to put so much pressure on you to take it, to have this, and who even knows what's in it, to have this injected into your bloodstream. And um, I can't tell you what to do, <laughs> but I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm not taking it. I've never even taken a flu shot. And uh, you need to think long and hard, very long and very hard about whether or not you're going to take this vaccine. And it's coming out in a couple of days. It is not months away. It is days away. Uh, it's going to come out if you live in the UK. If you're listening to this program in England or Ireland or Wales or Scotland, um, your vaccine starts Tuesday. Here in America, it's going to start for us in about a week from today. Now, this I'm going to tell you a true story that happened just this morning. In New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio, he was allowed to stand up in the pulpit of a church called New Life Outreach International Church, and that church is located in the Bronx, and it's a Christian church, but it's run by liberals. And not coincidentally, the pastor of that church is a man by the name of Fernando Cabrera, and Fernando Cabrera is also a Democratic city councilman, and he is the pastor of that church. Well, uh, Fernando Cabrera, he let Bill de Blasio take over his pulpit this morning, and Bill de Blasio urged very, very strongly everybody in this Christian church to receive the COVID-19 vaccination when it's rolled out next week. And then the pastor of this church said this, I know that there's some people that are afraid and I want to tell everybody that you're not getting the 666 of the mark of the beast in this vaccine. Um, That's what this pastor said this morning when Bill de Blasio was in the pulpit of a Christian church. Bill de Blasio is a former Catholic who has turned into a liberation theology person. um, And he is not saved. He's not a Christian. He is telling Christians from a Christian pulpit on a Sunday morning that you need to receive the vaccine And then the pastor of that church is trying to reassure his people that it's not the mark of the beast. Sherry just said, why would a pastor say that? Why would a pastor say that? Why would a pastor allow an unsaved man to take over his pulpit? If you're a New Testament pastor, that preaching desk, that pulpit is a sacred trust And it's a sacred place. It's not meant for political conversations. Now, your pastor can mention politics from the pulpit. There's nothing wrong with that. But giving your pulpit over to an unsaved politician who is trying to persuade you to receive an unproven, untested vaccine, and then the pastor says, oh, don't worry, it's not the mark of the beast. If that were me, In that, well, I wouldn't be in that church, but if that were me, you can better believe that I would stand up at the top of my voice and I would rebuke that. I would say it loud. I would say it publicly. Um, and of course I would be removed from that situation almost immediately, but let me tell you something, Christian, over the next couple of weeks and certainly over the entire year of 2021, you're going to get your chance to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to start praying about that now. You're going to get your chance to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. And when your opportunity comes, I want you to take it and I want you to do what the Holy Spirit puts on your heart to do in that time. And I want you to stand up And be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. Because you're gonna give, you're gonna get your opportunity to do that. And if there were any real Christians in that church in the Bronx today, um, somebody would have stood up and they would have rebuked that. And they would have done it loudly. They would have done it publicly. um, And, and that's what you have to start thinking about now. And uh, the Bible says that during the time of Jacob's trouble and during the time of the great tribulation, they are told to not take any thought for what they're going to say, but the Holy spirit will give them the words um, to say when they are delivered up and they're brought before the council. And, uh, uh, but in our day, in our dispensation Uh, we can still be bold witnesses who are led by the Holy Spirit. And indeed, that's what we're supposed to do. And uh, even if you don't want to stand up and say anything, Luann just said um, to get up and walk out. That is also a very effective form of making your opinion known. But look, in the coming days and in the coming year, There are going to be many, many opportunities for all of us to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ, and I hope that you will begin to pray about that now, so that when that moment comes, you will stand up for your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you will not shrink, you will not be afraid, you will not step down, you will not step back. Um, We have a few minutes left. Let's get back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So all of those things that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, those 18 things are all attributes of Antichrist. 6, 6, 6. 18 is um, 3 times 6. And it's no coincidence that there are 18 traits of the end times and every one of those traits is a um, trait that is, that is directly related to antichrist and then um, he says in verse 5 that these people have a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And that's what happened in that church in the Bronx today with Mayor de Blasio. There was a form of godliness. There was a church, there was a pulpit, there was a preacher, there was a pastor, but it wasn't God. It didn't glorify God. Paul says, turn away. I say, run away, but turning away is good too. Um, all right, let's go on in, in, um, uh, verses 7 and 8, 2 Timothy 3, 7 and 8, Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobates concerning the faith. So, Paul's telling you he's bringing Moses into the picture. So we know that some of the things that are happening here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 will carry over into the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, that's why Paul mentions Moses. Why? Um, turn to uh, Revelation chapter 11, and I'll show you why Paul is mentioning Moses in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In relationship to the end times, turn to Revelation chapter 11. And this is why Paul is bringing up Moses. Verse three. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Now we know through careful Bible study. Um, warrior is saying it happens after the rapture. Uh, this time period that Paul's talking about is starting in our time period. It is going to overlap into the time of Jacob's trouble. We will be removed. We will not stay in that time period. Uh, we will not be in the time of Jacob's trouble. But these things here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, they start in the end of the church age. They will continue after the rapture and they will get even stronger during the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, um, the two witnesses, the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. And one of the reasons that we know that is... um, when you read in Revelation chapter eleven what the ministry of the two witnesses actually is they have power to call down fire from heaven and uh, they can shut up heaven so it doesn't rain and they can um, they can cause a drought and they can uh, afflict the earth with plagues when as often as they wish to that's exactly what Moses did and what Elijah did in their earthly ministries on this earth. So, one of the main reasons that we understand that the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah, not Moses and Enoch, because when Enoch was alive, he didn't do any of the things that are attributed to the two witnesses in Revelation chapter 11, but Moses did those things and Elijah did those things. So uh, for that reason, and I just put the link into the chat room. If you're not in the chat room, you can be. Go to ntebradio.com and that's the link for our live chat room. Um, but if you're not in the chat room and you want to read that article, just go to NowTheEndBegins.com and go to our fancy new search box, and that will bring this story, type in two witnesses, and that will bring the story right up for you. So we have just a couple of minutes left, and let's look at the tail end of Second Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, uh, look down at the very bottom, uh, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We were talking in the first hour about what a hyper-dispensationalist is, and a hyper-dispensationalist as we said, is somebody who throws out the baby with the bathwater and they cut such a strict line when they divide that they are no longer dividing rightly. And here Paul says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Now, not all scripture is profitable for doctrine, but all scripture is profitable in some places for doctrine, in some places for reproof, in some places for correction, and in all places for instruction in righteousness. And that's how we rightly divide the Bible. And we understand that even the parts that are not written to us have great spiritual and devotional and historical application. For example, turn to Psalm chapter 91. Turn to Psalm chapter 91. And this is a verse that is claimed by most Christians when they're going through a tough time. And we're just going to read the first um, uh, four verses, and you'll see why Christians like to claim this psalm as a psalm of protection. Psalm ninety-one, one through 4. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will cover thee with His feathers and under His wing shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Now, Psalm 91 is the psalm that is written to the Jewish remnant who is being kept safe in the Red Rock City of Cilipetra. You cannot apply Psalm 91 to you in the church age as doctrine. But when we read Psalm 91, what are we reading? We are reading a psalm where God is protecting his elect. Doctrinally, that is the Jewish elect... In the time of the great tribulation, who are being kept safe in the red rock city of Sila Petra. But for me and you in the church age, Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus says that um, if you're one of his sheep, that no man can snatch you out of his hand and uh, that you are also in the father's hand. And that's where we get our protection from. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, that we have been sealed unto the day of redemption. So all through the New Testament, and especially in the writings of the Apostle Paul, we read those areas where God is promising us protection. But he's not promising us the protection of Psalm 91 doctrinally because in that passage, it is written to Jewish people in the time of Jacob's trouble. And speaking of time, we have come to the end of our time for tonight. Um, If you haven't signed up, and it's free, if you haven't signed up for our mailing list, we I highly recommend that you do. And um, that way, every time that we have an article or an update or we're going to publish something or we're going to te- tell you about a program or a Bible study or a podcast, you will receive an email for every program that we do. And that way, you'll always be aware of what's going on. It's completely free to sign up for our subscription service. So far, 16,608 people have signed up. I would love to see us get much closer to 20,000 before the end of the year. So please sign up. Go to nowtheendbegins.com. The link is on every single page. And we invite you to sign up for our free subscription service. I hope that you'll be joining us tomorrow at noon Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to talk about the mark of the beast and the COVID vaccine. We're going to talk about all these new world order people. We're going to talk about Pope Francis and his plan. Uh, He's joined with the new world order and uh, he has adopted Joe Biden's um, uh, uh, tagline of build back better. And we're going to be talking about all these things tomorrow on our noon podcast. And we hope, that you will join us here at noon Eastern time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of this program. Um, have a good night, everybody. And Lord willing, we'll see you back here tomorrow.